Startups, you don't need to settle for a cumbersome banking experience to protect your money. Mercury offers banking and credit cards with effortless experience, giving ambitious companies greater precision, control, and focus without compromising security. Open smarter checking and savings accounts, control spend, optimize cash flow, and close the books in record time. Visit mercury.com to join more than 100,000 startups that trust Mercury with their finances and to help them perform at their highest level. Support for this show comes from Indeed. If you need to hire, you may need Indeed. Indeed is a matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Listeners of this show can get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and say you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, editor-at-large of Recode. You may know me as someone waiting for Facebook to just say, screw it, we're inventing Skynet. But in my spare time, I talk tech, and you're listening to Recode Decode from the Vox Media Podcast Network. Today in the red chair is Mark Warner, the senior U.S. senator from Virginia and vice chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee. He's also the founder and former managing director of the venture capital firm Columbia Capital. He appeared at my code conference several years ago, but a lot has happened since, Senator Warner. Welcome to Recode Decode. Kara, thanks for having me on this morning. So let's let's start off. We have to start off with the news of the day. I mean, this impeachment hearings, a lot of fairly it springs, big news, fairly of the big day. news of the day, and the whistleblower. And you know, you've been investigating a lot of this stuff, foreign powers, especially related to Russia and using digital, uh, which is my interest, obviously. So give us sort of a, a lay of the land as much as you can, because you all announced with Senator Burr. Let's do it related to you that you are going to investigate. Well, we're trying to take this step by step. I think it's. We're in uncharted territory now. Clearly, our country is very divided. We may be the last remaining bipartisan effort going on almost not only on this subject, but a lot of subjects. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, we're going to take this step by step. My gut, I actually hope and pray for the sake of the country mm-hmm. that some of these allegations prove not to be true. Mm-hmm. Um, so we will be receiving, as I think the public will, hopefully later today, the transcript of the telephone call between the president and the Ukrainian president. Tomorrow, we will hear testimony, the whole intelligence committee, from the acting director of national intelligence and the inspector general for the intelligence community, where the whistleblower appropriately went Mm -hmm. when he first brought forward, he or she, we don't know, first brought forward the complaint. We will be meeting with our counsel, we'll be meeting with the whistleblower's counsel, I think our hand will be greatly strengthened because he didn't get noticed as much yesterday, but in a bipartisan way, the Republicans and Democrats said, whistleblower, you got to turn that information over mm-hmm. to the intelligence committees. Because if we didn't, the absurdity of what had been argued was the inspector general had said the whistleblower complaint was super serious. Mm-hmm. The acting director of national intelligence in an unprecedented move, this guy is only acting, mm-hmm. uh, but an unprecedented move said, no, I don't think this really touches intelligence, which would have left the whistleblower with no recourse, no protections, right. and all the legal system we set up to protect whistleblowers would have gone down the tubes. Now, I think that is not tenable, and I do think we will get um, 
uh, get this information. But we're going to take this step by step, probably be a bit you know, more meticulous than the House's approach, but it's going to be a wild a wild couple of days. Yeah. So when you say meticulous, in that in that we don't know what's in these things. We don't right. know. We don't even know for sure whether the whistleblower's concern actually related mm-hmm. to the call between the president and the Ukrainian right. president. Right. So not much is known about what happened. That's been reported, and typically mm-hmm. a lot of these reports are correct in terms of what what the what the area the area of interest is. Um, you know, you've been at this for a long time with Senator uh, with Senator Burr talking. Uh, this this all has to do about foreign influence on elections, foreign issues. Give people an update. I'll get back to this in a second of where you ended up with the uh, investigation into Russia, and this was directly uh, having to do with social media sites. Right. We have. We will have five reports that came out of our Russia investigation. Mm -hmm. We've released the first one on election security, which I think was very timely, and we gave very specific recommendations on what we need to do. So simply more money is not enough. We need paper ballot backups. We need a series of audit trails. We need a variety of details. Right. We will, and that's just been approved. That Senate. that that was came out bipartisan, right. uh, unanimous. It was out about three or four weeks ago. Mm-hmm. It was our hope to have out this week, um, but it will probably may drag into next week a report on social media and how Russians manipulated social media, how they impersonated Americans, how they particularly went on issues of race. Mm-hmm. It will also give some recommendations. Shortly after that, a few weeks down the line, mm-hmm. we will have either a report on frankly, reaffirming the intelligence community's assessment from January 17, Russia intervened. They wanted to help Trump. They wanted to hurt Clinton. Probably not a lot of new breaking news there. Mm-hmm. After that, we will have a report that, again, I think in inside the Beltway will get a lot of attention, maybe outside not as much. What did the Obama administration do right, and what did they do wrong right. when they first found about? And then probably— you. Know, by the time we're finished writing in near the end of the year, and this is where we have a little more work to do, and we have to see whether we can maintain this so far totally bipartisan approach, which is what were our conclusions about the extraordinary of Russia, number of Russian contacts, connections, you know, offers of help with the Trump administration. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we've kind of pushed that to the end. We still haven't resolved all of the issues. We have, um, um, you know, we didn't have as much access, obviously, as Mueller did. But there are some grave concerns here. Again, right. uh, we're, and again, we're not fully complete with that portion. But I do hope that we'll be able to so get it out to the, the public the end. the idea is to end. provide recommendations, like, for example, on election security. These are each individual things. One's election security, one's interference, one's, one's social media, social media, one's essential influence peddling mm-hmm. by the Russians um, to get whatever they want. But as a package, it's systemic, this idea of foreign interference in elections, essentially. It, well, it's systemic, and I hope the American public, even folks who are big supporters of President Trump, need to understand, one, how serious this is, two, that this is going to be you know, the new means of conflict on a going-forward basis. I like to point out that if you add up all the Russians spent interfering in our elections, in the Brexit vote, in the French presidential elections, add that all together, it's less than the cost of one new F-35 right. airplane. So this is both extraordinarily effective mm-hmm. and extraordinarily cheap. And if we, we just um, have seen reports from some of our some of the groups who were monitoring, the level of volume that took place, for example, in the European mm-hmm. um, parliamentary elections, particularly in Germany, 
made a lot of attention in Europe, didn't make as much attention here. But this ability for an outside group, in this case Russia, to um, kind of rally parties on the right in terms mm-hmm. of the European elections uh, was pretty significant. And then we've we've also seen, and you, I think you guys have reported on some of this, you know, the Chinese are starting sure. to do this as well, not only on Chinese language sites like WeChat, but uh, there were a number of sites taken down, I believe. Different. On it's a different Facebook. approach. Dif- their goals are different, which is interesting. Um, I want to get to China because you've just recently been talking about some issues around uh, that country. But with Russia, the, the the idea is that they lost the Cold War and they're winning the digital one. I think that's really when I read when I think about a lot of these things. I think cold, that's unfortunately a fair do, assessment. They couldn't do planes, train, whatever. They couldn't do that, or, or, or and their system was so uh, hindered by by the the economics of how it went that they that they are using this. So when you when you look at this, essentially what you're doing is writing a history of what happened. Well, we're writing a history, but I but I also think one of our most powerful tools. Again, I think it's so important to keep this bipartisan. Is on election security. For for example, we would never make protection of our grid mm-hmm. or protection of our financial system a partisan issue. Why in the heck? Are we making protection of our democracy, election security? Why in the heck? Well, part of this is because I think you know this president and this White House is so paranoid about the kind of validity of their election. Yeah, the illegitimacy. That they're, that they're not leaning forward. And traditionally, and I think he's starting to move a little bit, but traditionally, Leader McConnell, Mitch McConnell, has been very reluctant to bring up campaign finance-related or campaign rules. So let me give you very quickly three or four things, all bipartisan bills. I think we could actually, even in as crazy places I work, 75 votes. Mm -hmm. First, if a foreign power tries to intervene in the 2020 presidential election to help any candidate or hurt any candidate, the appropriate response is not to say thank you. It's tell the FBI. The mm-hmm. old, if you see something, say th- right. something under DHS. Right. Second, and, and just to speak, President Trump said he would look at right. Anybody so, would look so at let's, it. So let's just, you know, feels a little redundant, but let's make it absolutely clear there is an mm-hmm. obligation to tell law enforcement. Second, let's make sure that every voting machine in America has a paper ballot backup, mm-hmm. just so people feel faith in the integrity sure. of the system. Third— Paper's a great technology. Let's, yeah, let's go ahead and make sure that if you advertise political advertisements on Facebook and Google, there's the same disclosure requirements— This is the honest as on Yeah, as on TV and radio. And then I've got four or five additional bills that might not directly fit into um, per se election security, but would start some of the— the ground rules, I think, that social media needs to get into. And we can get, I can get into that yes, now or we can do it later. No, no, we'll do that later. But what's interesting is I was just at an event at the Federal Election Commission, which doesn't have a quorum, so they can't monitor election spending, which is where some of this occurs, or do anything about it. They can monitor it. They just can't do anything about it because they don't have a quorum. Um, how do you—they were saying there were 40 bills in Congress related to election security or cybersecurity or these kind of things you're talking about, none of which are going anywhere. Well, the House has passed a lot of them. Yes. The Senate has not. And I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but I actually think there's a number of my Republican colleagues who get this, who understand this goes way beyond Trump. It goes way beyond a single election. And then I go back to my— starting premise. We wouldn't make protecting the grid Mm -hmm. or our financial system partisan. 
why the heck would you ever make so what, protection? W- w- how does this move? Because I, having I, these bills not passed is really, you know, oddly enough, my son is voting in the presidential election for the first time this year. He literally just, he was reading all this stuff and he around election security, and he's like, I just hate the Senate. Like, why can't they pass anything? And I was like, oh, Louie. Well, I'm going to ask. I'm going to have the Senator guy on <laughs> right. soon, and I'll ask him. Right. Well, you know, you got to you gotta stay uh, somewhat on the optimistic side because otherwise you can get bummed out pretty quickly. But yeah. I uh, there are ongoing negotiations on these, mm-hmm. and I'm actually— uh, I hate to use this kind of hackneyed phrase, cautiously optimistic, but mm-hmm. I, I think there's some folks, a number of Republicans who realize it looks awful if we haven't taken any of these bipartisan recommendations and put some points on the board. And, and one of the kind of signs of breakthrough just last week, um, Mitch McConnell agreed yes, to agreed. add $250 million bucks. Mm-hmm. Now, the money's good. Uh, it's not but, enough. Most but, the, but the money, in, the the point, money yeah. is you got to have some rules of the road. And one of the things that there's been a split, there are some Democrats who want to mandate these things. Mm-hmm. And at least my Republicans believe the reading in the Constitution is that you know, all elections are state and, uh, state and local required. You can't have federal mandates. So the way you, you, know, you, you, way you, you get to yes is you say, okay, you know, we're not going to mandate paper ballot backup or an ability to audit an election afterwards to make sure it was on, you know, uh, on the up and up. But we're going to say, if you want the federal money, you, you got to do X, Y, Z. And that process is Familiar. in a whole bunch of ways that how the federal government operates vis-a-vis the kind of division of powers. Mm-hmm. So when you're saying cautiously optimistic, which of those areas that you talked about do you I, I feel think optimistic there is, on? I, I think I'm optimistic about the issue of paper ballot backup. I think I'm optimistic about the idea that there ought to be some you know, auditing uh, after the fact of, of the election. I wish I was as optimistic on the question of trying to put some oversight on the three large companies that control 90% of the voter files. Because mm-hmm. remember, you don't need to change right. somebody's vote. If you got in and simply moved 10,000 people in yeah. my in Dade County in Florida from one precinct to another mm-hmm. so the people when they showed up on voting couldn't day vote. couldn't or vote. Or changed, uh, changed yeah, yeah. Uh, addresses. And, 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 you know, like your audience, and you know, you know, the companies that maintain the voter files, I mean, they're just data management companies. Mm-hmm. But if they have no kind of basic security standards, mm-hmm. that's not a good thing. I'm not as optimistic that we'll get that far upstream, but uh, I do think around the paper ballots, I do think around some audit trail, I do think increasingly about the ideas that you know there ought to be public disclosure. I still think we can put points on the board there. Okay. You you say you're such an optimistic person because it it's but it, this is three years in, which is amazing. It's after. three years in, but we've only had the formal whole process through recommendations, the fact that it's bipartisan. We had uh, a bureau called the Secure Elections Act last year Mm -hmm. that James Lankford from Oklahoma, very conservative guy, uh, Kamala Harris, Amy Klobuchar, me, others, you know, we were literally at the point of ready to mark that up and it would have gone to the floor, but the kind of White House pulled the plug on it. So I increasingly think because? Well, I think because I just go back to my first point. Anything that talks about uh, the legitimacy of the 2016 election, they've got a glass jaw on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 
I've been very careful to say, I'm not here to relitigate 2016. Mm-hmm. I'm here to make sure it doesn't happen again in 2020 as much as we can. Right. So speaking of relitigating uh, 2016, I want to get to the social media companies in a minute. But when you have all these important bills, especially around election security, and you have this new impeachment effort, everything, all the oxygen is gone. Is that is that a correct assessment? I'm not a political person, but how do you get— Well, that's, that's probably what most folks think. But even before whatever's happening in the House, it's not like we've been doing a lot other than voting on Trump nominees right, for a right. while. Yeah, so yeah. I think there you got is— nothing to do up yeah, there. Yeah, so it's not like it's—you know, it's amazing how busy you can be at a place that doesn't get a lot done these days. Yeah. Um, luckily, I've got my zones and kind of intel and on the tech side and others where there is still China broad bipartisan. I, I actually think, um, frankly, for a lot of Republicans, just plain self-interest— mm-hmm. To go into next year's election cycle, because even the folks who, you know, say, hey, Trump wasn't convicted by Mueller. Mm -hmm. So I think the vast majority of Americans do get the fact that the Russians intervened. They will be back. The Chinese may be in. The Iranians may be in. Mm -hmm. And that it's hard to say these common sense things. Why in the heck didn't we vote on any of them? So um, I've been proven more wrong than right. But, uh, you know— I would not be surprised at all if this calendar year, this legislation comes up. Okay. When you look back at the the Mueller investigation and the investigations you've done, they're concluded now or they're they're ongoing there for are, you? The Mueller on, report is on, concluded. On the, the Mueller report is concluded. Mm-hmm. There were a number of key people, Manafort, Stone, Gates, who we never got access to because— they because they were in you know Mueller took them. There was also a whole lot of counterintelligence information that Mueller got through his investigation. We feel, in terms of our constitutional duty to have oversight, we got to look at that material before we can conclude. Particularly in terms of the contacts, what we used to call collusion, but we should have probably never called it that since that's not even a legal term to start with. But this unusual level of contact between Russians and Trump, we got to see that information. And the Department of Justice has not been as cooperative as it needs to be. So we're in active back and forth with them. And good news is we're still doing, going down this path bipartisan. So it's not just, hey, the Democrats on Intel want this. It is both the Democrats and the mm-hmm. Republicans. You know, the staff who've been working on this, great job. We, we continue to hear from witnesses when they come in, and most of these have been staff-driven interviews, that uh, the folks who are interviewed don't know who's a Democrat, who's a Republican in the mm-hmm. room. So where is your investigation? You're going to continue down this road. Yeah, continue. we. I don't think we're going to be doing— a couple outstanding witnesses, but relatively minor. Um, I think the most important is just getting access to things that Mueller provided, that Mueller had, so that we can, you know, fill in the blanks. We have um, one of the things I was surprised with with Mueller, considering how many people he had access to. Ninety-five, ninety-six percent of what he had, we had as well. Right. So it wasn't news up. So when you have to look at the assessment of the of the stuff related to social media, which you were looking into strongly in this area, um, and and you demanded ads, you were disappointed by the, some of the response for by tech companies. How do you assess where that is now? Because because you can say we've no noticed they messed up. That's really yeah. essentially the con- is that the conclusion? Then we move on. Well, listen, I think that. They messed up. I think the U.S. government was asleep at the switch. Yeah. I think we'd not really—this th- was kind of asymmetric warfare. We were not up 
up on our game. 2018, we got a lot better. Mm-hmm. Partial of that was because we were better prepared. This is one area I'll even give Trump some credit on. He basically allowed our government um, to be a little more offensive rather than simply being defensive in terms of using some mm-hmm. some of our cyber tools. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the level of cooperation between particularly Facebook, Google, Twitter, and USG has gotten better. Uh, but the, the notion that these guys are going to self-regulate mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, all will be hunky-dory, yeah, that's just crazy. They, you know, there's got to be rules of the road. There have never been companies of this size and this power that haven't had some level of oversight. And I think there's a beginning to be a recognition from the platform companies that it's in the, their own self-interest because, you know, if we, as we have already, you know, deferred privacy mm-hmm. to Europe— with GDPR and now increasing in California and other states, if we've done content to the U.K. and Australia, Mm -hmm. as we think about some of the bills I've got around data portability and interoperability, data and its valuation, some of the questions around dark patterns, you know, when we— the old ceiling is going to become the new floor. Right. That's a really good way to put it. We're here with Senator Mark Warner. We're going to take a quick break now. We'll be back after this and talk about— what we need to do to regulate social media companies and other tech companies. Startups, you don't need to settle for a cumbersome banking experience to protect your money. Mercury offers banking and credit cards with effortless experience, giving ambitious companies greater precision, control, and focus without compromising security. Open smarter checking and savings accounts, control spend, optimize cash flow, and close the books in record time. Visit Mercury.com to join more than 100,000 startups that trust Mercury with their finances and to help them perform at their highest level. Support for this show comes from Indeed. Imagine the perfect employee. Let's call her Jackie. Jackie is professional yet relaxed, punctual, friendly, meets deadlines, and just makes your job easier overall. But the search for Jackie can be long and tedious, especially when you have so many other things on your plate. Indeed wants to help you find your next Jackie. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. They leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. So their matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. That means they can better connect you with your Jackie. And listeners of this show can get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and say you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're here with Senator Mark Warner. We've been talking about, obviously, the big news in Washington is the impeachment hearings, but one of the most important things is following up on everything that happened in the 2016 election and also a larger question of regulation of social media companies and all tech companies. Talk about where we are. You're just saying they need they, this, the, the ceiling. is That's a great way to put it. The ceiling has become the floor. Talk about that because there is no regulation to speak yep. of. I was at an, an event last night and someone was like, what do you think of the regulation of the Internet? And I was like, what regulation? <laughs> there just isn't. There's, there's Section 230, which, you know, has been debated whether they change it. And Josh Hawley's, who you ex- explain, let's start with Section. 230. And you you and Josh Hawley, who wants to do something quite drastic. Right. Well, Hawley and I have a piece of legislation. Let me, let me start it a yeah. different way. Right. The area where I think everybody agrees mm-hmm. 
including the tech companies at least say they agree, right. is we got to have some rules around privacy. You know, we got the European model. We got the California model. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a bipartisan group that's working on this. I think they're most of the way there. I think the big question becomes federal preemption. Will the federal standard— Preempt California. Preempt California and other states. So, right. I think pri- there's 14 states yeah. looking at privacy. Pri- privacy is the area where you know, pretty much across the board everybody agrees. I think the privacy legislation is necessary but not sufficient. Mm-hmm. So let me go through three or four areas, and then we'll get to Section 230 yeah, okay. that um, I think ought to be added to this. Number one, we've got a bill with Deb Fisher, Republican senator from Nebraska, that says that— and your audience will get this more than most, mm-hmm. you know, the, the dark patterns, the mm-hmm. way social media uses manipulative tactics to try to get your data without you knowing it. Yes. The notion of, you know, you, you, get, you, you go to some site and you say, you either say yes or you can't say no, you say mm-hmm. learn more. Right. Or you can never find the unsubscribe button. Right. There's a whole host of right. tools that are used, and we think— In order to w- use your data to, and pull it in. Right. We think there ought to be a—, a industry-regulated group that would be first, and then a FTC backup. Narrow but important piece of legislation. I got a bill with Josh Hawley Mm -hmm. that would say we ought to know what data is being collected from us Mm -hmm. and how much it's worth. Um, They say they they do that already. They don't. No. You know, you, know, and, and you can call it the cheap date bill if you'd like because I think of that's Americans cool are cheap dates yeah, that's a, yeah. to the internet companies. This We've made a trade. There's nothing free here. Right. They, yeah. When they say Facebook, Google, they're free. They're not free. Right. No. So they're that making about, the best trade yes, in they're history. They're making the best trade in history. So right. we ought to have that ability to have it easy and we ought to be able to then know what it's worth. And then, get, then presumably have customers well, get well, paid? Well, that, right. I, I'm that's just starting. We give more transparency in the marketplace. So we know what we're worth. Then we'll, you know, People may go to that next step, but also there may be a company that says, aha, in between this Kara's data and Mark's data, there's enough spread there that if I can take a piece of this, maybe I'll provide you that security that you don't have. Right. Next one, and I say this, I'm a, I was a telecom guy uh, for years before. Well, I was you, said you were a venture capitalist. I met you when you were a venture capitalist. Yeah, well, I, I was, before I was in the wireless industry for a right, long time, yes. started Nextel. But some of your listeners may recall when it was the old days when it used to be a real pain in the neck to move from one telephone company to right. another till we had number portability. I think we need data portability. If we're tired of Facebook— Let's move all our data, including your cat videos, to a new site easily. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to have data portability, you also got to have interoperability so you can still talk right. to the people back on the old site. Right. That, that it will email be, is a good example of this. Yes. The ability yes, to that, move your email. That will be a piece of legislation that we're going forward. I think we need to get into the question of having the right to know whether we're being communicated with by a human being or a bot. Mm-hmm. Easy to say. Hard to actually put in process, but that would get at at least informing Americans on how much they ought to believe in terms of what Who they're they read. talking to. Right. And then there's then there's we'll come to Section 230, and I think the Section 230 debate, mm-hmm. and Section 230 was the rules that were made back in the late 90s that basically defined these platform companies as having no responsibility for content. Mm-hmm. They were in effect dumb pipes. Right. Um, Analogous to telco. You know, say they gave them ability to grow. That's the positive part. And two, they gave them the ability to moderate without being uh, sued. I think starting off in the, you know, and Ron Wyden was the uh, driver of that legislation. I think it was the right thing back then. But the idea of then versus now 
20 plus years later, where 65% of Americans get either some or all of their news from Facebook and Google, and they do provide a curation role there, Mm -hmm. I think we need to reexamine. And this idea that Section 230 is this bright line, you know, baloney, Congress has already prohibited, you know, child pornography, sex trafficking, bomb making, Um, you know, where we land on 230, you know, that is, I think, a fair debate. Mm-hmm. I would put the 230 straight content conversation, which, by again, by the way, UK and Australia have already moved on, mm-hmm. kind of in tandem with the whole question around identity validation. Mm-hmm. So if someone had to own their content with their real identity— mm-hmm which, for example, Estonia has already made that movement around identity validation because they had so much outside influence, you might need less movement on 230. Because Mm -hmm. if we're trying to think, how do we at least slow or make people think a little bit— You know who's who. And it's the same thing across uh, across ads, everything. You know who's who. You you know who's who. And and Facebook actually has said they would be willing to— Fully lenient. Now, their whole idea was around identity validation to start with known community. Twitter obviously has the opposite model. Mm -hmm. But I think these are the kind of yin and yang, different ends of the, you know, swing set, whatever you want to call it, you know, identity validation and validity versus the the 230 debate. And just one quick point here. I do recognize, as some of the listeners may say, well, you know, identity validation in the U.S., so if you have to own your hate speech, you may think twice, may make sense. But identity validation, if you're a political organizer in Egypt, mm-hmm, exactly. is a thornier question. Mm-hmm. So how do you, you know, the, that's what the argument the companies make. We're a global company. We're protecting global interests across yeah, the world. Listen, I, I've, these are global companies that originated here in America, got all the benefits of being in our marketplace, now somehow act like they feel they have very little responsibility back, that's mm-hmm. just not going to cut it. Right. So with identity validation, which I think is among the most important, I've always thought anonymous here in this country at least. You know, of course, you could change it from con- – they could do different things such as just re- – they do different things from country to country right. already. They already right. – it's just more expensive and it's more difficult. Um, and I- interestingly um, – this is a separate thing, the right to be forgotten ruling in the in Europe. Now mm-hmm. it's been pulled back, so they only have to— Within one specific country. One I think specific. it was in France, wasn't yeah. it? That, yeah. Well, no, I think it's in the European Union. I think All it's right. those countries. And so they, they're capable of doing that, uh, of essentially geo-fencing the world in some way. Yeah, and, you, and, and that's again where there's this healthy tension. Uh, you can geo-fence, but you don't want to end up with a totally— um, you know, non-international internet. So I acknowledge these are tough things, Mm -hmm. but the notion that the status quo and the wild, wild west is going to continue, it's not. One of the things I've told the the platforms are, you know, you guys are living on borrowed time. Mm -hmm. We are one event away Mm -hmm. from Congress overreacting. Right. So explain an event, for example. What would Congress— Well, if if there um, was—frankly, I think you might have more action already if— the American public fully understood how much manipulation is going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the the example that's out there that I, I cite sometimes that's easy and tangible for people to understand, back on the debate about the NFL players kneeling before the mm-hmm. national anthem, I don't care whether you thought the players were jerks or whether the players were exercising the First Amendment rights, you know, plenty of documentation, not from our committee, but outside experts, that the reason why that story got so much following was because it was about 10 to 1 foreign-based right. bots right. driving the story. Same, all the stories, yeah. yeah. So if you had some 
egregious effort. For example, uh, we saw recently kind of a rudimentary effort where there was that video of Pelosi where she looked mm-hmm. Trump, and all they were doing was slowing the video down. You know, as you've we've talked about in the past, if you use deep fake technology where yeah. your face or my face and our voice mm-hmm. suddenly says something and it's not us, um, there could be huge reaction. And, and honestly, I think the deep fake stuff will probably be less explosive in politics and much more in business. Mm-hmm. You know, if you got a deep face of the chairman of the, the Fed, Jay Powell, saying something that's not true, if you suddenly, I, yeah. I would be curious if any of the CEOs of these mm-hmm. companies were suddenly uh, a deep fake appearance where they're well, making some radical activity comment. already on stocks. They, they, it's happened, I think, I'm trying to think what company. It was Nike. It was one of the companies yeah. where there were bots. It's been used, even though a lot of the stuff is focused on politics, it's being used on business. Well, that, that piece, Kara, is yeah. one of the things where I think there's almost been like um, the emperor has no clothes. I actually mm-hmm. think the amount of manipulation that goes on in digital advertising mm-hmm. and fake number of followers, um, yeah. you know, if the CEOs actually understood that the Oftentimes, the marketers, you don't want to acknowledge they're not getting as many eyeballs, and right. it kind of goes through the whole food chain. Right. There's just this effort to try to so, keep so that What hidden. you're talking about is, is, is adding total transparency and uh, getting rid of anonymous, getting essentially in as, as much as possible. I think, at least in this country, you may have different rules uh, abroad. Again, I think if you have to own your content, because you do get into a much sketchier areas if mm-hmm. you're suddenly saying, mm-hmm. if we do get rid of 230, who's going to be the regulator of what speech? There are models out there. There are, and it's not, again, completely analogous, but the, you know, the film industry has at ratings. least put some ratings, mm-hmm. not perfect, but uh, not bad. There are areas like FINRA uh, and others that are in, in the financial sector where there's first-level regulation, this kind of industry standard. Mm-hmm. Then you got to back up in terms of the government. There's tools out there we could try, mm-hmm. but we got to start that debate in a healthier way. So, so in that area, uh, you're with Senator Hawley. He's more down the line than you are on a yeah, lot he's, of stuff. He's down the line in terms of— Bias. Well, he's, he's on the bias. I, I've, known, I've seen— no evidence of bias. There's I think no the companies evidence. are biased towards making money. Yes. So they want to give you products. Yes. If you lean left, they're going to give you more left. If you yeah. lean right, they're going to give you more right. And the fact that they have virtually, you know, kind of no validation process of mm-hmm. what may be being pushed or if it's being yeah. pushed by humans versus bots, their own standards of care, like Facebook says, mm-hmm. they have an obligation to take that down. I don't think they police that near enough. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, what also Holly is at, and as well as a lot of Democrats, mm-hmm. is they are at— these guys are just too big. Let's break them up. Right. So let's. I was going to get yeah. to that. And I would. I would just say I'm not there yet because mm-hmm. I'm. I'm. I am concerned that these are global companies, and I don't want them simply replaced by Chinese tech companies. Mm-hmm. But, That's the tech's argument. That's Mark Zuckerberg's favorite. Yeah, but it's, I call it the sheer me argument. Yeah. Um, and you know, again, I'm still open to the breakup, but I'd rather try these transparency tools first, mm-hmm. which I think are also pro competition tools. If we've got data portability and interoperability, you know, Nuco could come in and potentially compete. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, we get into these areas like, I'm not sure we're going to go here this morning, but Libra in terms mm-hmm. of the new oh, I'll currency. Get to Libra. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, huge issues there, particularly when Facebook says, oh, this is just an association, mm-hmm. yet the only cryptocurrency wallet they will offer will be their own product. Of and if mm-hmm. you distribute that through Facebook and WhatsApp and others, you know, 
there's not going to be a chance. Yeah, yeah, there's not going to be a chance for a new competition. So talk about that competition issue because they – it's really uh, – Senator Warren started off, I think, most prominently. But there's been talk about this before, and we've been here in Washington before with Microsoft. There was AT&T, uh, all, all these tech companies. You are not averse to it, but you're not – What I'd like to do is I'd like to try these other tools around transparency. Mm-hmm. Get through the questions on on portability. I think data portability and interoperability, having consumers know uh, what their data is worth, recognizing whether you're talking to being talked to by a human versus a bot. You know, I'm not saying you get rid of bots. I am just saying there ought to be some yeah. Indicator okay, so on you it. think that's enough? No. Well, I, no, I'm not. I, I, I'm saying know. I don't know. Right. I am saying let's try that. Right. And then we some, ought to reassess. Some might say that's too late. I mean, you have Megan Delrahim at the Justice Department who's looking at, I think, at Google and Apple. And not not necessarily Apple for breakup, but around the App Store, regulation around the App Store. You've got the FTC. I just had one of the commissioners in here looking at uh, Amazon and Facebook. Um, is that enough? I mean, because the FTC is woefully underfunded. Well, well and the FTC of- has been— woefully toothless. I mean, right. yes. the idea yes. on, on Facebook where they right. whacked him on a, on Cambridge Analytica, a $5 billion fine, yeah. you know, $5 billion. I feel like, remember, uh, yeah, I call Austin Powers? Yeah. Remember Austin Powers was one like, $1 million. million. <laughs> well, $5 billion. Well, you know, that's yeah. less than, you well, know. Well, the Democrats peanuts. on the panel thought that. Yeah, the, the, what they, it, Facebook makes in a quarter. Yeah. So, yeah, let's put this in some perspective. But I'm glad mm-hmm. these organizations are, are raising these issues because I think that puts really healthy tension mm-hmm. on the companies and candidly us in Congress mm-hmm. get off our butts and do something. Right. What are the chances of, of one of them being broken up? Google would it seems to me, as much as it focuses on Facebook, Google is where the action is. I would imagine. Well listen, I could make a case on each of them. But I'm right. I'm not gonna speculate which one. I am gonna say that again wearing my optimism hat You have that, other ways. That privacy the privacy legislation, I think, will move soon. Then if I can add these transparency items on top of that, that might give us a regime that we could, you know, that might significantly move the market. But I am very much saying if that doesn't work, then we got to look at other options. Okay. Um, and, and when you say soon, is that Washington soon or? <laughs> is that human soon? Human or is that soon. Soon? soon would I, be like next week for Kara Swisher. Yeah. And, yeah, it's not that soon, it's a, but it's not Washington soon in terms of, well, when the Democrats win after 2020, right, right. you know, that that is, I think the, the pressure on privacy, mm-hmm. um, I think the legislators, senators who are negotiating that, you know, have done a really good job in their way down the line. There's Speaking good, of which, folks. you had dinner with Mark Zuckerberg this week. How'd that go? Last week. Last week. Think, you, know, you and I've, other senators. Yeah. Can you tell me the other senators who are there? No, I've let it, you know, Blumenthal acknowledge the other five, you know, I'll let them acknowledge or not acknowledge. Mm-hmm. One, you know, I'd Is it embarrassing Zuckerberg. to have dinner with Mark Zuckerberg? No, listen, I'd, I'd had dinner with Zuckerberg <laughs> dinner before. With he was, Zuckerberg. you know, way before yeah. uh, he was uh, Mark Zuckerberg, you know, right. uh, um, and I've interacted with He's him. still um, Mark Zuckerberberg, but uh, go ahead. Another, go ahead. A number of times. Yeah. One, I wanted him to hear from some of these other senators who've not been active in this mm-hmm. area, that they got exactly the same concerns, even though they're not voicing them. And um, I think he's listening. I think that there is a, at Zuckerberg level, an understanding on some of these things, particularly, for example, uh, I think he was very forward-leaning around authentication and, mm-hmm. and, and identity validation. But the problem sometimes is, all right, you have that dinner, 
Then you go back into what's negotiated, what bill you can put your name and say Facebook supports it. There's sometimes you know a break there. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it Senator, feels, I'll get back to you. It, it feels yeah. different. It feels a hell of a lot different than it did a year ago. How so? And even six months ago. I just think— I'm only asking you because he won't see me, but go ahead. Well, I think part of it is the notion of, like, okay, playing rope-a-dope with Congress Mm -hmm. is going to come back and bite them at the end Mm -hmm. because by the time we act, what was progressive and uh, aggressive six or nine months ago is now yesterday's news because, you know, umpteen other jurisdictions have already moved further. Right. So— Soon, I think we could see privacy get out of a committee this fall, and then I think the ability to kind of add on these other items um, becomes okay. a really— So he's been cooperative. Have you met with the other tech—have you been having dinners with Jack yeah, Dorsey or, or Sundar Pichai? We have had— um, Or is it just the chair you're having yeah, dinner with? We have had ongoing conversations with Twitter. We need to have it again at the CMO senior level. Sundar came in, and I think Google realized— they apologized that they'd screwed up when they didn't, they didn't, they didn't want to show up. I mean, yeah. these guys' notion that they can punt, mm-hmm. you know, we are slow in Congress, mm-hmm. but we're not going away. Right. But I also, you know, to your very point, is that's fine if they give you an attaboy. Mm-hmm. If you're not actually then moving legislation, the attaboy can turn into rope-a-dope. Right, right, absolutely. All right, when we get back, we're going to talk about uh, workers uh, and also China. Uh, so an area you just started to focus in on, and I think it's uh, the correct place to look, um, because as much as the action is around Russia, uh, China is really the game going forward. We're here with Senator Mark Warner. He's the senior U.S. senator from Virginia, and he's been a key member of Congress dealing with the tech community. Support for this show comes from Fiverr, the world's largest marketplace for freelance services. In the fast-paced world of business, every decision counts. And when it comes to hiring, there's no room for guesswork. That's why Fiverr has developed solutions for businesses to make outsourcing projects simple, quick, and compliant. You can gain access to curated talent through Fiverr Pro's catalog of top freelancers, organized by skill and experience. Streamline your projects with a user-friendly dashboard where you can track progress and collaborate with your team. And for anyone needing the highest level of white glove service, Fiverr Pro's project partners can manage multiple freelancer engagements for you. Project partners will outline requirements, assemble a roster of freelancers, and manage a schedule to ensure your deliverables are completed on time. Ready to scale smarter? Visit pro.fiverr.com to sign up and use code VOX for 15% off any service. That's pro.fiverr.com and use code VOX. Wow, that guy means business. Just an amazing player. No, not him, the sports photographer behind him. Uh, what? He has a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where he earns 5% annual percentage yield, so he's scoring big on and off the field. You might even say he's the MVB. MVB? The most valuable business. Making your money work harder. That's how you business differently. Intuit QuickBooks. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes are an APY. APY can change at any time. We're here with Senator Mark Warner from Virginia. We've been talking about a range of issues, including uh, breakups of uh, big tech companies uh, and other things uh, and what's been happening with the Russians. But let's get to workers. Um, This is an area that you have employed workers. You you understand how tech changes the game, um, especially around AI, automation, robotics. Um, 
let's talk a little bit about that, where you think, what we have to do. I interviewed uh, Senator, uh, I mean, Mayor de Blasio. Uh, I was the only one who didn't care that he wasn't going to stay in the election. <laughs> but I was interested in the robot. You know, he was talking about robot taxes. That was this mm-hmm. thing for, uh, you know, a New York minute. Um, but it's not, a stu- it's not a silly idea. Like, what do you do when workers are seen as costs and robots are seen as assets? Amen. Great, great question. Thank you. And I'll, you know, try to do this as quick as I can. Ironically, if we simply relitigate health care, infrastructure, traditional tax code, mm-hmm. you know, and we suddenly think that uh, all these guys and gals I work with are going to have a change and suddenly see the other side's uh, ideas and agree, and even Democrats win in 2020 that all the, everything's going to get fixed overnight. Yeah, I don't buy that. I think that we almost need to step back and recognize, and I say this is a capitalist, I say this is somebody who's benefited from the system, mm-hmm. but the level of economic angst and the level of uncertainty, you know, when you have leading figures like President Trump and Bernie Sanders who kind of mm-hmm. represent, you know, let's throw out the system. Right. You know, I think, I got to say, modern American capitalism isn't working for enough people. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure I'd go down the exact path that Bernie or Trump would go. But let me give you three things that I think could actually broaden the debate and get bipartisan agreement. Right. And help U.S. workers. And help U.S. workers. Mm-hmm. First thing. I think we need to acknowledge that the old 20th century model where you went and got a job, you worked on the same job forever. My dad worked for the same company 38 years, Mm -hmm. never made a lot of money. But with that job came levels of security. Benefits. Benefits, health care, retirement, unemployment, workman's comp, disability. That's gone. Mm -hmm. third of the workforce today in 2019 is in gig, part-time, independent contractor, no matter what we call it. I think we ought to have a system that says no matter what kind of work you do, for every dollar you make, some portion of that dollar— ought to be set aside for a benefit bucket. Mm -hmm. That bucket ought to attach to you. It ought to be portable. It ought to be able to, you know, if you have three different jobs at the same time, you ought to get three different— with you. We ought to have three of those income streams coming into you, and there needs to be a new social insurance system. And whether that is run by worker organizations, the private sector, the government, we ought to experiment. But the old-school notion, we're the only industrial country in the world that says the only folks going to get benefits are full-time W-2 employees. That is yesterday's news. Mm -hmm. And— We need to move past it. Mm -hmm. Second, to this point you made about what de Blasio had said and others, every company says, my most important asset are my workers. Mm -hmm. Yet nothing in our tax code or accounting system or reporting system would incent any business on a rational basis to invest in human beings. Mm -hmm. Or to retrain. And let me me take that for a second. And particularly— low- and moderate-skilled people, because those are going to be the folks who are most susceptible to AI, mm-hmm. to globalization, to, to robots. And so you want something radical? You want something that would you know, turn this whole equation on its head? Um, and, and you made the mention earlier, right now, if you go out and spend $5,000 on a robot, you get an R&D tax credit. Mm-hmm. That robot's an asset you can put on your balance sheet. You can brag about it. Yeah. You can depreciate it. You spend $5,000 on human beings— yeah, you deduct it, but you don't get a tax credit. You don't get mm-hmm. anything on your balance sheet. We've gone from public companies 30 years ago having about 17% of their assets intangible to public companies today have about 85% intangible. So we ought to adopt what we did 40 years ago in one of those areas of intangible assets, which was research and development. And at first, the accountant said, oh, we can't figure out research. is too squishy. Well, we figured it out, and it drove trillions of dollars of investment. Mm-hmm. I've got Bipartisan legislation that would create an R&D tax credit equivalent for investment in human beings. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is just not some, you know, oh, God, he's making some proposal that's not going to ever get there. The SEC, even under Trump, 
mm-hmm. has proposed a rulemaking to say public companies ought to report on their investments in human beings. If we start thinking about human investment, give it the tax benefit of tangible mm-hmm. goods. If we think about human beings as actual assets. Mm-hmm. Now, it gets a little squishy on how you do that on a balance sheet, but this notional idea, and there's a whole lot of things that come out of that. Then third point, just so I can I'm see you, you know, urging me on, mm-hmm. is I think the capitalism that built our country, particularly post-World War II, was one that said, yeah, you make money for your shareholders, but you can also do well by your employees mm-hmm. and, and, and by your community. And that notion, which worked pretty darn well, got totally turned on its head in the 90s, partially due to technology because the ability to move capital so quickly, where the only purpose of the corporation was shareholder, shareholder profits. Yeah. And oftentimes, Milton short-term, Friedman. Milton Friedman, short-term, Damn that short-term shareholder profits. Right. Well, I think that will— Well, the business roundtable just— That will kill—that will actually kill the ability of capitalism to take people out of poverty. Because I would argue capitalism has taken more people out of poverty. Mm-hmm. So to get to the point you just made, business roundtable, within the last month, about 200 of the top companies in America said, we think the notion of a corporation ought to be more stakeholder capitalism. So make money, but do well by employees and communities. Good words, but, you know, and I've, I'm working very hard with a group of folks mm-hmm. on, all right, BRT, this is great. How do you put some metrics behind this? Right, How do you put right. some reporting uh, requirements? You know, they've done this before. Well, they, they've done this before. They have done this to a degree before, not in as organized way. And part of the challenge I hear from successful people who say, oh my gosh, income inequality is awful and everything else. Mostly successful people always default to, and if we could just fix our K-12 system. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we got to fix our education system. system, But we got to shift some of the incentives in capitalism to make them work again. So let's do portable benefits. Let's think about how we treat investment in human beings as a tax benefit Mm -hmm. asset class. And let's actually see if we can put some real teeth behind what BRT said. What about AB5 in California, which just passed? You know, I think AB5... um, you know, it's going to shake things up. Mm-hmm. Uh, California is setting the stage for everything. Setting the stage for this, and it's also— Again, why isn't government? Why isn't federal government doing something like that? That, that's, that shouldn't be coming from California. It, well, on a whole host of these things, mm-hmm. the federal government should be working. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think there may be some place between kind of the full employee, traditional W—you know, the full traditional W-2 status. There are differences for mm-hmm. people who work— on demand, but there's got to be some protections for workers. What about income inequality? Income, not inequality. Uh, income inequality is the big problem, and I think the reason the business round people did it is because the pitchforks are a common for them. I mean, I think that was a little bit they're worried. I mean, one of the things I talked to to wealthy people in Silicon Valley when they are against a lot of these things, they said you're either going to pay to change income inequality, change change the numbers here, or you're going to pay to armor plate your Tesla. That's your yeah. choice, essentially. And, and, you know, and the idea— Eventually. And some of the stuff that my 22 friends who are running for president mm-hmm. want, you know, there's a lot of redistribution at the government level. And a lot of that I support. Mm-hmm. But I think until you can actually get— to the incentives on how the system works. Yeah. Let's do so some fundamental. So UBI is not your method. No, I, I think UBI, yeah, there's only been about half a dozen examples. Most of the places that have tried it, I think there was a, an experiment in Finland. There was an effort to try to move it in Switzerland. Uh, I've seen kind of mixed results. I think there is value in work that comes from 
pride and well, so forth. Those one is that it gets income. you gets the, the 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 boot off your neck. Like that's well, one of the arguments, and you get to be creative and you get to be entrepreneurial. But I also you're think, an entrepreneur. I'm you an know. entrepreneur, but I also think that I'm not sure. And and you know, I know there's one theory of the case that says it doesn't matter how much debt we got, mm-hmm. but we're 24 trillion in debt. Yeah. I'm not sure that. Layering on trillions more debt, particularly on young people, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of the overall country balance mm-hmm. sheet, is all that progressive. Though some people say it would take costs off, off somewhere else, off other you know social programs. There's a lot of versions of UBI. There's a lot. Government of Government does UBI but in its own way. They just call it something else. Yes, and I where I would take when we have a current tax system that continues to decrease investment in education, infrastructure, mm-hmm. R&D. Less than six cents on every dollar you send mm-hmm. to Washington goes into those categories today. You know, I would never invest in a business that only spent six cents on its workforce, plant, and equipment right. and staying at the competition. Research, yeah. in, basic research. Basic research. We've gone from, you know, basically oh, we amazing. did about 69% of all the research mm-hmm. in the world post-World War II. We're down to 28%, only 7% non-defense. Mm-hmm. That's not a good business plan. Mm-hmm. So I would take when we— So let's get we, to China. Would, which we ought to make right. that transition right now. China. But um, I would put more of the focus on low- and moderate-income people. I'm not sure my kids need UBI. Right. Okay. No, maybe not your kids. But it's, it's the idea is Means we're already programs. doing it in yes. so many other and ways. And there ought to be ways that called. we could rationalize the way too many programs into a simpler system. Right. Amen to that. All right. So China. So speaking of which, here's a country that is doing everything it can to educate its citizens. It's very involved in their in their industry. Uh, obviously, we have a different way of doing it. Uh, the government is not as involved in, in the, the fate of their companies. A lot of control over their companies. A lot of uh, investments in, in everything from uh, AI to quantum computing to robotics, automation, self-driving, every area that's the next wave of the internet. And you and I know we're in a very big phase of the next wave of the internet. Some people feel China will dominate uh, the the next internet age, which is disturbing to me, at least, uh, given what I the small amount I know about how they operate. Uh, we could go the whole hour on this. Um, yeah. And let me start with my view on China, completely different than it was five years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, I was part of conventional wisdom, rise of China, rise of the U.S., there'll be points of competition, but there'll also be points of cooperation. I think what's changed has been a couple things. One, President Xi mm-hmm. has really completely reestablished Communist Party control across the whole sector. And to the point where they changed the law saying, if you have any doubt, every company in China's first allegiance is not to shareholders, but to the Communist Party. Absolutely. They have created a surveillance state in mm-hmm. China mm-hmm. using tools of technology. And one of the things that made me upset with Google saying they didn't want to work with our American DOD, but they don't mind working with Tencent to create the social credit system in China, mm-hmm. is they've created a surveillance state that would make Orwell in 1984 look simple it's a surveillance in economy. And they are, and, and what they are doing in terms, and this is so much different than what even the Soviets did. They were offering a some level of economic aid, but mostly just, we're going to give you this ideology. China is saying to countries around the world, we'll, through Belt and Road and others, we'll build your roads. Mm-hmm. We're going to, here's our model of state-sponsored capitalism. Mm-hmm. But here's what, you know, you live in a repressive state. Here's this way where we, you can control all of your people right. from a centralized situation. That is a pretty darn attractive sure. model that's out there, point one. Point two, I think 
America and the kind of— And using technology And using China. technology to do it. From China. Uh, from China. Right. And, and technology from China from companies that owe their allegiance to a communist party and companies that—why would you ever buy Huawei in any case? Because into the day, you know, China does not have rule of law, independent judiciary, so your recourse— mm-hmm. Is Zippo. So what what happened is that I think America, the West, you know, and we actually heard this mostly originally from Japan, Korea, Australia, you know, neighbors of China, is that most of the technological innovation over the last seventy years, if it wasn't American invented, it was invented in the other democratic regimes, and then the United States set the standards, right? Set the rules and, co- and protocols. And China copied. And they're and, not copying. And and they are. Copying. I think we had. We benefited so much from setting the rules and protocols, but nobody really factored that in. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, we've got a competitor with plenty of intellectual capital where they've skipped the first steps because they either borrow or intellectually steal the product. Mm-hmm. And they are saying, hey, we not only want to compete, we want to set the standards, and then let's take 5G, um, the next generation wireless. They want to set the pattern. And we have always literally had the point of, well, we don't really care who becomes the winner Mm -hmm. in the private sector because the market will sort it out. We're suddenly against a a country with a totally different set of rules, incredible economic power. And I even have my Republican colleagues saying, let's take, again, 5G for a moment where, you know, everything on the Internet of Things, all the driverless cars, all Mm -hmm. the things that we say will come out of this new world will— have to ride on 5G, and if that is a system that has Chinese equipment that at any moment in time, because it's not like Huawei's got a backdoor today, but since this is a software-driven system, and China says next week, next month, on that next update, by the way, stick in this malware, you know, you can't protect yourself against that. Mm -hmm. So our notion that we can let the market decide, I just don't know— whether that will work anymore. We may need, and I got Republicans that agree with me on this, to put literally billions of U.S. dollars, maybe in conjunction with our allies, Mm -hmm. into certain technology champions because in the 5G space, you got Huawei, then you've got Ericsson, Nokia, and Samsung, Swedish, Finnish, and Korean. They don't have the economic heft Mm-hmm. to go against China, Inc., mm-hmm. who can come in with Huawei, pretty good equipment, and then 140% financing. Right. And, that, and at price points that are way below because they're so subsidized. This would be allied with other Democrats. So this might be something com- where there's there's a need for a 21st century industrial policy that mm-hmm. we've not done before. We were so far behind the bar on 5G because we never— th- thought that China would flood the zone with mm-hmm. engineers on the standard-setting bodies, something that American companies used to do in the 80s and 90s. Right. But And we're, we're suddenly going against a technology leader. Is there any that has American the company that can keep up? None of them. No. Uh, not, well, not like Samsung, Ericsson. No, the, but no. those are traditional switch companies. Right. You know, 5G is more software-based. Right. You know, Qualcomm, Cisco, others, there may be even a need for some kind of combination with one of those traditional telecom companies with certain other vendors. There's some thinking going on now that is radically different mm-hmm. than even six months ago. And part of the—in a normal White House mm-hmm. on an issue like this, there would be someone in charge on 5G to coordinate yes. the government efforts. There is not. There is a 
good group of people from state and defense and FCC and yes. NSA trying to work together, but it is not a high enough priority. Right. And um, we're going to get our lunch eaten. And this Which happening is interesting in, because— of, And this—let me just finish the one good. sentence. This happening in 5G could also happen, as you said, Cars. artificial intelligence. It could happen in facial recognition. It could happen in quantum computing. So this model of going against China, or at least— Having an alternative to China Inc.'s model, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we need to play out and plan for uh, today so we don't end up in the same position where we are in 5G. I'm not so sure we want to win a Cold War on facial recognition. That may not be a war. We want to win. But we may want to at least— Yeah. If it's going to be out there, because yeah. I don't see any way with the level of yeah. facial recognition that's already out, that we're going to make this absolute ban. Right. There ought to be some entity that we believe has some level of privacy protection. Sure, absolutely. I, I would say that two areas would be uh, 5G and AI quantum computing. That's really where that Although actually- there may be an AI, there may not be— a single company repl- uh, replacement. No. The thing with 5G that's a little bit different is yes, no matter what your system is, you got to have one anchor tenant right, that right. is kind of designs the system. Right. And in cars, it's it's very interesting, yeah. like where where that's going and who's going to dominate that area. And again, China seems to be robotics, certainly automation. Well, the China, the thing on China is like. We spend $750 billion bucks on defense. I think we're buying way too much 20th century stuff, mm-hmm. reinvesting in a lot of legacy systems. Mm-hmm. China spends $250 billion bucks uh, on, on defense, and they realize, you know, it's not going to be just mill to mill. They got a, yeah. a really good cyber. They got a lot of stuff in space where we're, we are potentially vulnerable. But that $500 billion difference— mm-hmm. China's investing, in but they're investing audience. in all of these technologies right. not to be a follower, but to be the standard setter and the right. economically dominant Which will power. be defense going in which the will future. Be, which will be the way conflict is was, carried out in the 21st century. I was talking century. to an admiral, and he was saying this is where they're going to win. Like the, the, the cyber fight is – we're really outmatched. In but DOD's got to be willing and in, in to say, okay – we get this, and that means we may need to take a big chunk of that $750 billion bucks and redeploy it. Everybody at DOD says, we get this, mm-hmm. but then it's when we say, okay, which of our legacy systems, which plane, ship, tank, Well, then gun, they come to Senator Warner of Virginia where there's lots of bases, well, and what do you say? And, uh, and, well, and that's where you may need the equivalent of a BRAC process mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that says, you know, we're going to make this major readjustment or not because you can't simply take all of our existing and then layer on all these new needs uh, or we're going to spend nothing on education infrastructure. And right, R&D. right. Well, that's the problem. I mean, pol- politics is always the problem. <laughs> you know, it's, it, in some ways, China's got it good because they can just decide. They can just roll over. Now, ending up, as someone who's an entrepreneur, one of the one of the arguments from tech companies there is we, then we have to be this big. If we're going to meet the, the, the challenges of content, which we didn't even get to of, of, of policing content and hate speech. If we're going to get to the challenges of quantum computing, this, that, that, we have to be this big. That's their argument. And I, I'm sort of like the way we win is not by by innovation, which a, a large controlled economy just doesn't ha- can't do in the same way that the reason that we've gotten where we've gotten is because of how innovative and small and limble this country and and democratic countries have been. Do you do you think that matters? Anymore? I think this is a. Absolutely. You know, I'm I'm an entrepreneur and I'm VC much longer than I've been a politician. Um, But it's it's a gnarly problem. You know, it's like we want to promote this innovation. But I think Kai-Fu Lee, who's the Mm -hmm. expert on AI, you know, lives in Beijing now, but most of the time in America growing up, you know, points out in AI that the country with the most data, 
the country with the most compute power, and the company, country, and I'm not sure on this third point he makes, you know, it's not the most innovative engineer, it's who can throw the most mass behind mm-hmm. a problem, is going to win that battle. You know, he's got some valid points here. Right. So we are going to need, you know, in, in the past, we've always relied upon the fact that by being the biggest economy, we'll set the standards no matter which private sector company emerges mm-hmm. and whether they're small or big. In some of these areas in technology where size almost always wins right. and who has the most data may win mm-hmm. means that this notion that we're going to be scrappy entrepreneurial startup only may not be the full answer. That's why I think you got a lot of folks right. who a year ago would never think, oh my gosh, America or America with allies ought to be thinking about even governmental investment to make sure we've got somebody that can have both a technology and a financing alternative to a country like Huawei, company like Huawei. So this is this is a it, this is a big big issue. Is there anything that's happened technologically that hasn't had the government behind? There hasn't the space program, and now the space program, fascinatingly, is being innovated by private people, which is you know Mark. Uh, I'm sorry, um, Jeff Bezos and uh, Elon Musk, or you know leaving that to them. I, I'm finding disturbing on lots of that. Like the government is not. Not leading in that. But, but there are, you know, 50 other space companies right. that are in the business. And we've right. taken launch costs down. Small Absolutely. sats is a huge exactly. opportunity. Exactly. You know, one of the things on space that always made me crazy was the deeper I got into it, I thought, you know, did nobody in our, the American government ever see a James Bond movie? Because, you know, like <laughs> the bad guys would always send a laser beam up to blow up the satellite. Yeah. And we have these big old big— one of my senator friends, Angus King, said, we've got these big floating cows in the sky that aren't <laughs> nimble, that, you know, kind of are really exquisite capabilities. Right. But all the act, you can blow them up yeah. extraordinarily easily. So let's yeah. move to small. Let's move yeah, to innovative. Which is so I think we, we, that has been our strength. Yeah. We need to reinforce that. Right. But there are going to be places, and I don't fully buy the, by any means, particularly the platform companies, that they got to have the size they've got right now. Right. But— are there ways that we can introduce more competition into the market so somebody right. who's smart wants to get in could actually rise as well? What would you do if you're an entrepreneur? We're going to come back. We've, we've talked about Amazon. We haven't talked about all kinds of things, car, things like that. But if you were an entrepreneur right now, let's finish up with that, what would you go into? I would. I think there's going to be huge transformation in space mm-hmm. in, in terms of small sats and the ability to um, be competitors against some of the legacies. I think unmanned systems whether it's driverless cars, whether it's drones, you know, is, is going to be a revolution that will rival the one I was involved in in terms of wireless technology. Mm-hmm. Um, those are areas where you, you do need some scale, uh, but I think they're pretty darn hot. Climate change technology is what I do because that's the world's next trillionaire. Yes, First climate trillion. change. And I think on climate change, you know, there is, seems to be some growing consensus we need to go to a carbon tax. Mm-hmm. I mean, cap and trade and regulatory system only. I actually think um, a carbon tax the rest of the world would follow, and it would accelerate uh, the movement. And in within within the the uh, climate change debate, I think the biggest area, although it's hard to think as purely an entrepreneur on this, is storage. Because if we can get yeah, storage, storage, then we got then solar and wind become. You yeah, know, usable than that twenty four seven. I don't think it's a problem thinking about making money at this. If it solves no, the no, problem, listen, that's I, how it's going to go. Like it's not. Amen. It's, but you, but you got to be willing. That old rule, as you said earlier, you know, hey, Mark, none of the stuff we've done in the past hasn't had government support. Mm-hmm. Government yes, uh-huh. has been the early stage, high risk funder, and we are losing something when we go from that 
69% of research down to only 7% non-defense in that world economy. Right, unless the Defense Department moves that way. You're right, absolutely, which is really difficult. Anyway, this has been fascinating as usual. You have, uh, you're one of my favorite senators because you actually know what you're talking about, which is great. Now, a lot of do. That's, let's be fair. A lot of them really do. And one of the things in this day and age, especially this week, it's hard to like politics or politicians in any way. And I, my only appeal is as much as you want to tune us out, please don't. Because I think there are people that say, hey, if we can make this seem so screwy and broken, rational Americans, I don't care which party you belong to, will just tune out. And all you do then is turn the keys over to the extremes because the extremes are going to be still still out there. Right. We only want Rudy Giuliani to shut up. That's the only person we want. I got a longer list than that, but I'm not going to say it on your (laughs) show. That's the one this week. He's got to really stop talking. Anyway, thank you, Senator Warner, for coming on the show. You can follow me on Twitter at Kara Swisher. My executive producer, Eric Anderson, is at Erica America. My producer, Eric Johnson, is at HeyHeyESJ. Senator, where can people find you online in some of of these reports? You can just Google Mark Warner. Mark Warner. And the reports will be online. The reports are online. That'll take you to somewhere on the homepage. Some of the stuff around future work or on a project that I've got at Aspen Institute called The Future of Work. But again, you you hit me, you can get any of this information. Okay, great. If you like this episode, we'd really appreciate if you shared it with a friend. And make sure to check out our other podcasts, Recode Media, Pivot, and Land of the Giants. Just search for them in your podcasting app of choice. Thanks also to our editor, Joel Robbie. Thanks for listening to this episode of Recode Decode. I'll be back here on Monday. Tune in then. <laughs>